When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Here's a question. Did you know an all-bond portfolio can earn up to 6.88% yield? As interest rates plateau and eventually begin to drop, Betterment is offering the BlackRock Target Income Portfolio, a 100% bond portfolio that can be a smart alternative to cash. Here's a couple more reasons why you may want to consider BlackRock Target Income Portfolio. First, it has four different yield targets to choose from based on your preferred level of risk. Second, it's built by BlackRock, one of the world's leading asset managers. And third, while it's still an investing product, it's generally less risky than stocks alone. But did you really hear anything after up to 6.88% yield? Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Learn more at betterment.com slash bonds. As of 41924 for the aggressive target income portfolio, blended 30 30-day SEC yield is the weighted average of 30-day SEC yields standardized calculation for each ETF in the portfolio, net of fees 0.25%. Yield is not performance. Investment returns may vary. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Betterment, not BlackRock, is responsible for its advisory relationships with clients. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Thursday, December 8th, and we are here trying to help you make better financial decisions. I know even with just a few weeks left in the year, I'm asking you to still ask us questions, to relieve yourself of any burden that you feel, to maybe not necessarily go back and correct the past, but maybe just look forward. And I I do think that's such a, a great thing that you can do at this point, that you don't have to kick yourself for what you did or didn't do in the past, to think about what you can do now. And so if you have a financial question, we encourage you to go to our website. It's jillonmoney.com. Click the Contact Us button and you can complete a form and we'll answer your emails. If you would like to join us on the program, just check that box. Mark does everything else. He's so fabulous. While you're on the website, don't forget you can pre-order the new book. It's called The Great Money Reset. And when you pre-order right now, you will secure a spot to join us for a live online webinar Wednesday, February 8th at 7 p.m. Oh, and also, if you pre-order now, you get a signed book plate for each pre-order you make. So that's kind of cool, too. Check it out. It's all on the website. Right now, I think we're just going to do some emails. It's that kind of show. And this is from Tina, who says, Hi, Jill. I've been listening to your podcast, and I'm learning so much. Thank you for all that you do. Well, thanks for saying that. Okay, so here's the question. It's about factoring anticipated inheritance into retirement plans. With your callers, you never ask about inheritance. That's probably because I don't think most people get them, but that's right. You know, you're right. I should ask about that. I usually say like, is there any dependents or anything? I should turn that around and make sure I do ask about that. So I'm going to do that from now on, Tina. Thank you. All right. So here's the situation. Tina says, my parents are in their 80s. They've got a very clear plan for what my sisters and I will be inheriting, a business, a beach house, retirement savings. They are in assisted living, 
and that's all covered by their long-term care insurance. So although the investments fluctuate, we can be pretty confident of the anticipated value of our inheritance. Why did you ever ask about that? And should I not be taking this into consideration when thinking about retirement plans? Thank you again. Um, No, you should totally keep this as a factor. Um, I think it's silly to ignore it if there's something real. Generally, unless it's like a sizable amount of money, I don't like to factor it in because I always get nervous. Like, well, maybe your parents have their long-term care taken care of, but what if they needed additional care? I don't know. I get very nervous. But obviously, if you're the beneficiary, say, of a trust or you know there's going to be a piece of real estate, yeah, of course, you can factor that in. It's just that we don't know when they're going to leave that asset to you. So it gets tricky. But yeah, I mean, you could certainly do it or you can maybe do something more conservative and say, you know, you want to take a discounted amount for that. But anyway, yeah, you should factor it in. And I'm going to ask about it more. So thank you, Tina. Jenny writes that she's a new listener and she's enjoying the pod. She says, I need some help figuring out in what order I should be contributing to different types of retirement accounts. I just started a new job and they only offer a simple IRA with a 3% match. Hmm. I want to prioritize Roth and post-tax dollars as much as possible. I've been contributing to a Roth IRA through the back door for the past couple of years. I think I'll need to stop if I have the simple IRA account. Is that true? Yes, it is actually. So that is a big time drag. And I'm sorry about that for you. You know, for some of you who don't necessarily realize this, that simple IRAs, um, they usually at smaller firms, they have contributions, you know, in the 12, 15,000, I think next year it's 15,500. But that's the IRA that kind of screws you up for the pro rata rule. So ugh, that's a bummer. Now, here's the question. She says, um, I was thinking of contributing to the simple IRA up to the 3% match and then contributing to a post-tax brokerage account. Do you have any other suggestions that would be advantageous come retirement? Thank you for everything you do. You help your listeners become financially secure. Well, I guess my message is really to your employer and it's like, skip the simple, can you just have a 401k? But that's not in your hands. Um, Yeah, I think contribute to the simple up to the match, then use a brokerage account, make your investing tax efficient. Sounds like you're in a fairly high tax bracket. You know, it's, it's really tricky because we know that so many people want to use a Roth version of the retirement planning toolkit, but if it's not available, it's not available. So yeah, I would go up to the match. I would then probably just put the money into a brokerage account and again, try to be tax efficient. That would be helpful. All right. Sandy says, I am 62 and thinking about retirement soon. With the market conditions, would it be smart to take my social security early for the income I need so that I don't need to touch my retirement accounts right now while their balance is lower than it was a year ago? Oh, I need to know so much more about you. It really depends on how much money you have floating around. I hate taking social security early. I hate it because your benefit is permanently reduced, Sandy. And so if we can possibly avoid that, I really would rather you do that, even if it means taking some money out of your retirement accounts now. So I'd love for you to follow up. Tell me how much money is in those retirement accounts. And maybe it's not the worst thing in the world, but I always like to encourage people, wait till your full retirement age And that will help you keep a like sort of that that nice, robust Social Security payment intact. 
Um, for everyone else listening, if you can even wait to age 70, you go even further. You get almost an 8% increase every single year. You wait till 70. Of course, predicated on your specific situation. Okay, this is from Anonymous. They've got four rental properties from Anonymous. A value of $1.7 million. There's a million dollars owed. There's a positive cash flow of $1,000 a month. All right, it's not that much, but um, I think it's because there's a property manager. Yes, $800 a month. Um, All the mortgages are 30-year fixed rates, and they're at 3%. Also, there's a recreation cabin, $300,000. I think no mortgage on that. And there is a primary residence, values a million dollars, owes $700,000, 3% 30-year fixed. There's money in a 403B and there's money in a 457 plan. So about a half a million between those two. And Anonymous puts $18,000 a year in a 457 and an additional $24,000 in cash in savings. Spouse puts $5,000 per year into a defined contribution plan with employer. $160,000 in cash. Anonymous makes 210 grand a year, 53 years old, $1.6 $1.6 million in life insurance. Spouses, 52, $115,000 per year in salary, a million dollars in life insurance. Sounds like they're covered. That's good. Two 14-year-olds, no college savings per se, no inheritance coming from any family member. Oh, this is so funny after I just talked about inheritance. Okay. If I work to 59, I get a defined benefit of $90,000 a year with a cost of living adjustment. If I my spouse works till 58, $30,000 in a defined benefit. They've got the estate documents. Okay, here's a question. Are we on track if we need $200,000 per year in retirement income? Uh, well, I mean, you have 120 right now, so you're pretty close. I am not sure about, I mean, are you asking me, are you on track to do it if you keep all the properties as is? I'm kind of feeling like, Yeah, of course you're on track if I could free up some of the cash that's in those investment properties. And you're probably going to be fine. You do have a half a million dollars. You'll keep putting money away. You know, you work for five more years. It's all good. But, you know, just to be clear, gang, what you should be thinking about in terms of like what your money can spin off for you in income, it does fluctuate, right? Because they're going to get $120,000 in the benefit. They need another eighty. dollars I don't know. You didn't say whether or not you get Social Security. I'm not sure just because of the nature of um, the assets you own. It makes me think that maybe one of you might have a windfall elimination. I don't know. So if you have Social Security, maybe you're really part of the way there and it's no big deal. And then it's a no brainer without Social Security. I don't know, because I don't know if you need 200 grand net or pre-tax. I don't know if you are willing to sell some of your real estate or not. But I think you're pretty close. I don't think that's the big deal. The question about saving for college, Anonymous says, how should we save for college? Afraid of putting money we'll need in four years into the market in case it goes down. I still might use a 529 plan because you can just use either a cash account or a very low risk account. You know, yes, the kids are 14 years old. You'll need the money in four years, but you'll conclude the needs over eight years. So I still might want that. Or again, you could sell some of this real estate and have money to use for college. But I need to know a lot more information about you. I'm sorry. What a pain I am. Okay. 
This is from another Jill who says at the end of the show that that Jill was aired on, which regarded her divorce and her financial future, you asked the listening community to metaphorically put their hands on my back in support of me. And she said, I really, really appreciated that sentiment. You both, meaning me and Mark, are doing good things and I'm grateful for you and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Happy holiday season. Isn't that so nice? I want to hug all of you. I really do. And it's, um, you know, some people are going through hard times this holiday season. Some people have lost family, relatives. Some people are celebrating their first year without somebody. So you never know what people are going through. So yes, you should put your hands metaphorically on people's back and you should be kind to each other. And that's what we kind of espouse here at the Jill and Money community. So do that, please. Pretty please. All right. That is it. That is the program. And We are quite grateful that you listen all the time, every day, maybe not every single day, maybe you let them pile up, but we are so grateful for you. And if you need to contact us, you just go to our website, jillonmoney.com, click the contact us button. And of course, let us know if you would be willing to come on the air and then Mark will do everything else. You can sign up for our free weekly newsletter on our website. You can pre-order my new book and uh, you can get all sorts of fun stuff, lots of uh, content floating around the website. So do that. Okie dokie, lift someone up. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity forming strong teams to support them. Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students.